Let us turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. The book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. With the Lord's help, I'll share a message with the title, Call for Simon. Call for Simon, praise God. We know the background to the story here. Cornelius, an Italian, he saw an angel, but this angel could not share words with Cornelius that could save his soul. Many people today want to see angels. They would love to encounter an angel. We human beings seem to, to desire the spectacular. We are tourists in every sense of the word. word. We love something new, something spectacular, something that really, uh, you know, appeals to this need that we seem to have to see something extraordinary. But the Bible tells us in this text that although Cornelius saw this angel, the angel did not have the words of salvation. The angel told Cornelius, call for Simon, for he's gone. Let's all say this, call for Simon. You see, somebody who wants to see an angel is no different than somebody who desires to see a great chef make a fantastic meal on TV and you are hungry. It may look good, but it's useless as far as your hunger goes. So what, what is the point of seeing an angel? It is better to call for Simon. Hallelujah. Let us say together again, call for Simon. We apostolic people, we are not interested in the spectacular. It doesn't help really. It just as it, in the same way that it doesn't help that you may see countless programs, documentaries, about a great chef making great food. What does it help? I need to taste that food. I need to have it in my mouth to, to you know, taste it. It doesn't help me to look at something that is really, you know, unavailable. And it, all it does is it makes me more acutely aware of what I don't have. To see an angel is nice. 
But the angel has no salvation. The angel can tell you about salvation, but they have never experienced what salvation is. Jesus has so ordained that only those who have experienced salvation are permitted to be witnesses of salvation. Praise God. So, we need to understand that God loved Cornelius so much because he prayed a lot. He gave alms that God sent an angel. You know why God sent the angel? Because initially, Peter was not willing. Simon was not willing to go. So that's why the angel came. So Christians must keep in mind that sometimes when angels come, it's because Christians are not going. Amen? So it's actually, in one sense, negative. We shouldn't rejoice. Wow, Cornelius and the angel. If Peter was willing to go, there would be no need for an angel to go and to introduce Simon. When a Christian doesn't go to witness, God sends angels to tell the people you are supposed to witness about your name. Ah, I hope you understand this differently. See this from a different angle. Somebody says, I saw an angel. Well, it doesn't help them to see an angel. They were supposed to see me. They are supposed to see you, not the angel. Something is wrong when Cornelius saw the angel. Does everybody need to see an angel? Did everybody see an angel in those days? No. But this was an exceptional case. So this message today is to challenge us again. We can never get enough of such sermons. We all need to be motivated, to be exhorted, to be pushed, to go and witness. So call for Simon is basically call the Christian who is not doing his or her, her job in Jesus' name. Amen. That is what this sermon is about. Call for Simon. So, let me remind you, angels, of course, are extremely mighty beings. Their power is truly mesmerizing. Let's look at the book of Revelation, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. The book of Revelation, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. Just consider this majestic power that God has chosen to clothe angels with. This angel was clothed with a cloud, rainbow upon his head, face like the sun. 
feet as pillars of fire. One foot in the sea and one foot on the earth. These are, make no mistake, some of the most powerful creatures that God made. But despite this formidable presence, angels are not commissioned to preach the gospel as Christians are. Praise God. I want to say hallelujah, but something, something tempers me from saying hallelujah because I realize the immense responsibility that God puts on our shoulders today. Such a powerful creature, one foot in the sea, one on the earth, covered with a rainbow, cloud, etc., is not able to talk about salvation. All such a creature can do is go to the Corneliuses of this world and tell them, call for Simon. Call for everybody in this room. Put your name in the place of Simon. Put your name. Put Agape. Call for Agape. Call for Salam. Call for Monica. Call for Ruth. Call for Hymenot. Call for Gere. Call for Joanna. In Jesus' name. Imagine such powerful creatures. God gives this mighty creature who's covered with a cloud, rainbow, the menial, menial, the reduced task of going to another human being and saying, call for Erwin, call for comfort, call for Nina, call for Ostir, call for Ashebir, call for Ephraim, call for Merawi. Imagine, imagine this, brothers and sisters. This should trouble us. This should shock us. Angels are very humble. That's why they accept to do this job. And they go and mention our name. They go and mention our name. Call for patience. Call for Sarah. Call for Angela. Call for Victor. Wow. This is amazing. God help us. Amen. I can tell you a story. Some of you have heard it. A real story. 2002. I'm in London. A sister called Dina. She's passed away and gone to be with Jesus in India. In a little village called Manmad. I've never been there. Five hours from Bombay or Mumbai. While I'm in London, she sees me in her house. With Bishop Tekle behind me. And she's speaking to us. She asked, first she was afraid. Who are these people? She lived in a small hut. We entered. She tells the Lord, who are these people? And the Lord tells her, she also came from a Muslim background. These are my servants. They will come to India. There will be a conference. Six months. Ever. Details. Listen. And then we disappeared. I never met that lady. She never met me. We, we, never, we didn't know each other. Never met each other. Let me tell you, but when I traveled there, as soon as we entered, she said, yes, this is the man that she saw in the vision. Listen, God is telling our names, showing our faces to some people somewhere. 
because the gospel must be published in every nation before Jesus returns. And God is not a man that he should lie. Every word of his is yea and amen. With all his power, and trust, trust the word of God. Forget Brother Paul. God is all powerful. He will use all his power to spread the gospel on the earth, in this earth. The question is, are we with him or are we just sitting in Joppa doing nothing? I want to talk to you later. I will speak about Joppa. Joppa is a very interesting place. Did you know that a guy called Jonah, he had the same surname as Simon Peter, yeah? Simon, the son of Jonah. Do you know these two guys not only shared the same name, they were in the same place called Joppa, and both of them in Joppa did not want to share the word of God with certain people. God have mercy. Joppa is the place where Christians don't want to witness. They don't want to take the word of God to the people who God wants us to take his word to. I will ask the question today, are you in Joppa? Am I in Joppa? Is our name Jonah? God have mercy. The gospel is not ours. Though sometimes we may forget. It belongs to Jesus. Who made the story of the word was made flesh? The death, the resurrection of Christ. Whose story is this? Say, Jesus' story. It's not our story. We are allowed for some time on this earth to experience this story in our lives and to tell it to other people. We cannot say in Joppa when Jesus comes and says, go to Nineveh, no. Go to Caesarea Philippi, no. God have mercy on us. This is not leaving my spirit because Jesus is serious. We have to leave Joppa. Say with me, we will leave Joppa. We will leave Joppa. And we will go where Jesus tells us to go in Jesus' name. Praise God. So let me come back. I showed you how such powerful creatures called angels are not permitted. They are only allowed to say, call for Simon. Call for Simon. Praise God. We have a Simon here today. And we know that he is very eager to share the gospel. God bless the Simon we have. Amen. So, call for Simon means call the person who knows about sin and a transformed life through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus spoke words by which Simon was saved. The words of Jesus now are in Simon. Amen. So now Simon had to come because the words of Jesus were in him for salvation, not in the angel. Amen. When did the words of Jesus enter into Peter? 
You know I'm saying this? Because what did the angel say? In Acts 11, verse 14, who shall tell thee words? Somebody say words. Words. Whereby thou and all thy household shall be saved. Somebody say words save us. Amen. It's not prayer which saves you. Let me repeat. It is not prayer which saves you. Prayer is supposed to encourage you to go with words. Amen. Some people want to just be in Joppa and pray upstairs. What is the use of Peter's prayers in Joppa when he doesn't want to go and speak the words of salvation? We have too many people praying. I don't, don't misunderstand me. Peter was praying in Joppa. But he is not in the will of Jesus. It is possible to be a person who prays a lot. But you are not obedient to Jesus. Because you do not take the words of salvation. May God give us people. Who will speak the words of salvation more than they pray. Hallelujah. Don't misunderstand me. The church has enough people who pray. But not enough people who witness. I'm trying to challenge us. Including myself. Peter is praying. He said no. I'm not going to go. To Caesarea Philippa. God have mercy. So. We need words. There are too many words today being spoken. If you take all the words that are being spoken in the world today, what percentage is for salvation? What percentage is for salvation? Almost nothing. That's why Jesus said when he returns, will he find faith on this earth? I pray that we will speak about salvation. That's why we are recording this message. That is why God has to help us to find ways to share the words of salvation. Somebody, somewhere in this world called internet, it's another world, cyberspace, will tap into and hear words by which they, they and their whole household will be saved. It is my prayer that somebody somewhere will hear and call their family together and say, listen to these words. Listen to this preacher. These words are useful for heaven, for eternity. May God give more space, not only in cyberspace, in every space, for the words of salvation to be spoken. Say with me, call for Simon. Call for Simon. The question, next question becomes, when did the words of Jesus enter into Simon Peter? Remember what I'm trying to tell you. Look, only those who have the words of Jesus in them for salvation are allowed to go and witness to people. The angel doesn't have the words of Jesus in him. Jesus is not in the angel. Jesus is in us through the Holy Ghost. Jesus wants to speak through Simon. But if Simon doesn't go, how can Jesus speak? 
That's why Jesus tells us, don't worry about what you will say. Just go. I just need your body. I need your mouth. I don't need your mind, Jesus is saying. May God help us to understand how to witness. Are we willing to go? Jesus is looking for mobile bodies. Jonah, can you please move? Yes, but he moved in the wrong direction. Peter, can you please move from Joppa? No, he said. This is our problem today. May God give us mobile bodies for the gospel. This, is, this should be the prayer of the church. So, when did the words of Jesus come into Peter? On the day of Pentecost. Let us turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 2 and 3. The book of Acts chapter 2 verses 2 and 3. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Somebody say, it sat upon each of them. Each of them. Cloven tongues. The words of Jesus for salvation has entered into us as tongues of fire if you have received the Holy Ghost. And you are supposed to receive the Holy Ghost. Because Romans 8 and verse 9 said, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Thankfully, the tongues of Jesus' fire did not enter Peter alone on the day of Pentecost. But it divided. Somebody said divided. And entered all the 120 gathered in the upper room. If it entered only into Peter, the church would have been in trouble. But Jesus entered into all 120. We who have received the Holy Spirit can now be the tongue of Jesus. Somebody say, I'm the tongue of Jesus. Say, I'm the tongue of Jesus. You are the tongue of Jesus. Praise God. Jesus has millions of tongue, tongues today. Let me repeat that. Jesus has millions of tongues today. For 2,000 years since the day of Pentecost, Jesus has millions of tongues. Every generation, Jesus has a tongue. He has a Japanese tongue. He has a South African tongue. He has an American tongue. He has a, a French tongue. Jesus will never lose tongues. Hallelujah. He will always have tongues. He keeps dividing himself through the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. So, you see, I was thinking about this cloven tongue. See, say with me, cloven do you know what cloven means? It's divided into two. Look at me, two. Have, do you know what creatures have a cloven tongue divided? It's actually only snakes and reptiles. And you know why their tongue is divided? Their tongue serves like 
a nose. It has the function of smell. We call it olfactory sense. Do you know what a snake does? He, it, the tongue will dart out. It gathers information, scent, fragrance, the molecules in the air. And through that, the snake knows exactly what is around it. And through that, it has full control of its environment. Let me tell you, Jesus has full control of his environment. When the Holy Ghost came, praise God, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost divided into tongues of fire. And Jesus took full control of that place. 120 people slain in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are not only supposed to have the Holy Ghost, we should make sure that the Holy Ghost has full control, not only over us, but over the environment around us in Jesus' name. We need so much fire that the fire should have control over everyone. And no fire fighting department in the world should have Control over the fire of Jesus. In Jesus' name, praise God. Hmm. There's no fire that can put out the fire of the day of Pentecost. Let no fire brigade try in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let the fire burn in every country until Jesus comes back. Praise God. We who have received the Holy Spirit can now be the tongue of Jesus. Say, I'm the tongue of Jesus. That is why they could not stop speaking. When I received the Holy Ghost, I didn't know that two, three hours had gone. Everybody left. I was 17 years old. I couldn't, when I opened my eyes, I, I didn't know what I'm speaking. It was just going on and on and on. Because the fire of Jesus cannot and should not be controlled by anybody. In the sense, look, of course, in the church, we, Jesus allows us. But we should never think that we are the boss of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God. The Holy Ghost is Jesus. Let him have control. Amen. Praise God. So, in order for us to be the tongue of Jesus, we must, for that to happen, you must believe God is one. His name is Jesus. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you must believe there is such a thing as the Holy Ghost that comes only in the name of Jesus. If something entered you without the name of Jesus, you need to get it out. But whatever enters you in the name of Jesus... And it will tell you that Jesus is God. That is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It will glorify Jesus. Amen. This is what the Bible says in Acts 2.38. Peter said, repent. They said, what shall we do? You know what we should do? What they're asking? What are we to do? And Peter says, basically, you are supposed to become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So for that to happen, for you to be accepted by God, to be the witnesses of God, of his salvation and his righteousness, you need to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what Peter is telling them on the day of Pentecost. 
What is the meaning of what shall we do? Means how do we become the temple of the living God? How do we become his witnesses? Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost does not fall in on any other creation of God. Only us sinners. It doesn't fall on animals. The Holy Ghost does not fall on birds. Ask any bird if they have the Holy Ghost. Ask the creatures in the sea. Ask angels. We are blessed. We are unique of all God's creatures. We are the only ones upon whom God bestows such honor. That he will send his fire. Dwell in us. God who refused to dwell in the temple of Solomon. It was the most beautiful building in the whole world. God is not happy to dwell there. He always had one ambition to dwell in us. Because we are created in the image of God. Hallelujah. And that's why the devil seeks to destroy humanity. That's why he wants to possess humanity. Because he knows how much God loves humanity. That's why the best thing you can do on this earth while you're alive and breathing, brother, sister, is to understand this great battle of the cosmos. That Jesus, the God of the universe, wants to dwell in human beings. And the devil wants to stop that from happening. So the more people you bring to Jesus to be filled with the Holy Ghost, the greater the purpose of your existence, the greater the blessings God will give you. This is, the world is divided into these two camps. Those who understand that God wants to dwell in us. Amen. That is the meaning of the New Testament, the New Covenant. Praise God. What is it ultimately? Christ in you. Say Christ in me. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. That's the biggest triumph for Jesus. When he puts the seal of the Holy Ghost upon us. For that, we have to call Simon. It begins with call Simon. What happened at the end? It began with call Simon and how did it finish? The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost in the house of Cornelius. Praise God. The work of Peter was finished and Peter did not know his job was finished. All we need to do is go, call Simon, and then Jesus will take care of the rest. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, it was, thank you, Simon. You can go back to Joppa now. But we need Simon to come first. Because only Simon has the words of salvation. The words of Jesus are in Simon. You are Simon, I'm Simon. Where are the words of Jesus today? Deposited in his people. Say it's in me. Point into your heart and say the words of Jesus are here. They are, they are here. Through the Holy Ghost. Open your mouth and speak. Praise God. And Jesus will do the rest. The fire will come. Amen. We need movable bodies. We need uh, bodies that can be displaced. Hallelujah. Are you a displaceable body? Are you a movable body? Or are you immovable? Do you already mark out your territory? I will be here in Joppa. I will pray in Joppa. And nobody will move me from Joppa. That's very dangerous. 
if you have the words of Jesus in you. That's why we have conferences. We want to exercise people in moving. For some people, it's like uncomfortable. I don't like to take planes because when you are a little bit big, you don't sit comfortably in the plane. You know, shoulder space, leg space. It's a headache. But for Jesus, for Jesus, we will move. We will be comfortable. This is the gospel. It's movement. Jesus wants Simon to move. Say, this Simon will move. So it is from the fire that the words of salvation can be heard. Hallelujah. Even the law came with fire. How much more salvation in Jesus' name? God never gives his word without fire. Amen. Angels do not have this fire because they haven't sinned and cannot experience the beauty of salvation as we do. In fact, when it comes to evil angels, we are forbidden from hearing a word of what they say because the source is Satan. And Satan is the father of lies. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 44. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's why we don't hear people who are demon-possessed. We are forbidden to engage in occultism, uh, necromancy, um, and all these uh, you know, terrible arts, because the devil will speak. And when he speaks, his words are not salvation. His words are destruction. Call for Simon tells us so much about the way in which Jesus is building his church in the world today. Call for Simon. Let us turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. The gospel of Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the origin of the call. Call for Simon. Of this statement, call for Simon. Simon represents all Christians today. He was bold. He was strong. And yet he denied the Lord. Simon was rich. But he gave up all things for Jesus. Simon was hasty. Simon was impulsive. Yet he was the only man to walk on water after the Lord. Simon heard the Lord preach about nonviolence, and yet Simon packed a sword and applied it on the ear of the high priest's servant. Simon is all of us. Simon represents our strengths and our weaknesses and our contradictions. Can we say, I'm Simon? We're all Simon. Simon Peter, 
Simon is all of us. But we are also Simon. The man whom Jesus chose to deposit his words of salvation. Amen. The world must call for Simon because Jesus chose Simon. The words of Jesus are in him. When one has the words of Jesus indwelling, heaven and earth will call your name. Do you know that first Jesus called for Simon when he was praying in Joppa? Because in Acts chapter 10 verse 13, it first Jesus spoke to him. There came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. See, Jesus called his name first in Joppa. Later, the angel mentions the name of Peter in Caesarea Philippi. And finally, Cornelius mentions his name. Listen, how important the name of Simon is. It's mentioned by Jesus. It is mentioned by the angel. It is mentioned in Joppa. It is mentioned in Caesarea Philippi. How important is the name of those who have salvation? That it's mentioned by Jesus, by angels, by Romans, Roman centurions. Call for Simon. Don't let the devil ever tell you you are not important. That your name is not important. Let me tell you, in two cities, the name of Simon was being mentioned at the same time. In two cities. I was in London and somebody in Manmad, India is seeing me. That's how important salvation is. That's why I don't bother if a church says you're not a Christian or you're not a preacher. Who cares? What matters is what heaven says about you. I don't need a church to sign something about me. I need Jesus to prove that he called me and he called you. Amen. If Jesus sends an angel who is mentioning your name in another city, are you going to ask a human being for permission to go there? It's a joke. I don't say this arrogantly. Sometimes churches will try to control the work of Jesus. We shouldn't allow that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Simon, Simon, your name is being mentioned right now in Caesarea Philippi. Who knows? Astir, Astir, maybe your name is being mentioned in another city in Stockholm, in Sweden right now. Amen. So everybody here, Irwin, Irwin, maybe somebody in Holland, in another city, Jesus is mentioning your name right now to that person. Hallelujah. When we have the words of salvation, believe me, believe the word of God, you are very important. Your name is very important because the words of Jesus are in you. Believe what I'm saying. Behave accordingly. Don't let anybody look down upon you. Amen. Have confidence from heaven. Amen. Somebody says, where did you get your license from? I got it from the Holy Ghost. I got it from the fire that is burning in me. By what power? By what authority? In the name of Jesus. For there is no other name given under heaven 
among men by which we must be saved. That's my authority. That's my confidence. That's my motivation. Hallelujah. We need to know who we are. We need to know what is the mandate of our mission. We need to wake up, brothers and sisters. We need to go back to our, our origin. Say with me, I am Simon today. Everybody is Simon. And heaven, and heaven and earth are saying, call for Simon. What, what else are we waiting for? Jesus is saying that and, and the angel is saying that. Call for Simon. Hallelujah. Who will stop us? Who will stop us? In Jesus' name. Call for Simon. Amen. Never in the history of this world did a human being have such a wonderful introduction before he came there. Never before. Whatever speech you want to make about somebody, oh, I present to you the President of the United States of America, blah, blah, blah. Nothing compares to the introduction that Simon Peter got from Jesus, from an angel. So when he came to Caesarea Philippi, no wonder the Roman centurion was thinking, my goodness, this is an archangel. The right hand of Jesus is coming. All of them bowed down to him. You see how easy Jesus made it? What other red carpet do we need than call for Simon? It's the best red carpet that you can get. I don't need Hollywood's red carpet. That one is sinful. Don't even walk on it. We need the red carpet of Jesus which says, call for Simon. And when you will come, this is a beautiful red carpet from heaven. Amen. <laughs> As you walk, everybody is ready. Whatever you say, we are ready to do. Ah, see, when heaven puts a red carpet before you, wow. Even the Roman centurion, the colonizer, the occupier. All these Roman soldiers were bowing down to Peter. Can you imagine this? Peter must have looked around and said, wow. Normally, before I met Jesus, I wanted to kill all these guys. I didn't like them. But now I'm surprised. They're all bowing down to me. <laughs> you see, you know, God works in amazing ways. We don't want military people to bow down to us. That's not what I'm saying. But you see, God for the gospel will make even the military sub subjected to you. The military bowed down to a fisherman. The colonizer bowed down to the fisherman. It's not to the fisherman. It's to the words of salvation. Words of salvation. Brother, sister, if you go for the gospel, the greatest powers of this world will be bowing down to the words of Jesus that is in you. If you only care to go, you will see amazing things. You will see centurions. You will see prime ministers bowing down before the gospel. Giving you a red carpet because you have the words of salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is powerful. This is not to be arrogant. 
But I'm telling you that heaven put down a red carpet. Never in the history of the world did a person get such an introduction before he went. Everybody knew who's coming. Who introduced Peter to Cornelius? Say heaven. Say heaven. How terrible it becomes in comparison when you give somebody your business card. Eh? You give a business card. I'm so-and-so, you can Google me. You don't need a business card, you don't need Google. You need heaven, hallelujah, to go and introduce you. Call for Simon. Hallelujah. What is your business card? It's Jesus. Jesus will come calling. He will tell you who I am. Praise God. And that gives tremendous confidence. Amen. So, later the angel mentions the name of Cornelius. And finally, Cornelius mentions his name. Such is the importance of salvation that our names cannot be hidden or obscured. The tongues of fire did not enter into us to stay quiet or to be anonymous. I don't like attention. Who said it's about you? Yes, definitely. You should not want attention. I should not want attention. But Jesus must get attention. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. But you know, I don't like Italians. That's up to you. Jesus will deal with you later. But now, Jesus likes Italians. Amen. Can you accept that? Jesus loves Italians. It's not about what you like or don't like. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't speak that language well. Uh, it's not about your capacity, your capability. Who made the mouth? God told Moses. Who made the power of communication? Who is called the word? Amen. What does it mean that God is the word? It means he knows how to communicate. He knows how to talk. Who made the languages of this world. Amen. Sometimes when Jesus wants to use us, we start saying, I, that's the first problem. It's not about you. Jesus only needs your body to move. He will do the rest. We should not allow our bodies to hinder Jesus. Take Jesus where he wants to go. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I said, let me repeat again. Such is the importance of salvation that our names cannot be hidden or obscured. Simon doesn't want to go. But look at what the angel is saying. Call for Simon. That means, don't worry that he doesn't like Italians and doesn't want to come. Don't worry about that. God will take care of him. Your job is only to call for him. And to prepare to receive. Hallelujah. Start making food. Jewish food. Kosher food. Because he's coming. Whether he likes it or not. He's coming. God will take care of them. Amen. God will bring him. If necessary. He will bring him in a fish. If, if necessary. He will bring him as a prisoner. Why was Paul a prisoner? With chains. Because that was the only way Jesus could bring him to the household of Caesar. Huh? Caesar doesn't like Christians. 
But if the Christian says, I appeal to Caesar, then they said, then you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you must go. Hallelujah. Whatever way it takes to reach the people of this world, are we willing to go? Whether in chains, whether by a fish, whether Jesus catches you and drags you, huh? whether by horse, whether by donkey, whether by plane or train, whatever way, say, I'm willing. I will go, my God, send me. That's all Jesus wants in 2024. Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? Hallelujah. Jesus is still asking this question. Jesus is still asking this question. Let us continue in this story. Say with me, call for Simon. Call for Simon. Let's turn to Jonah chapter 1 verses 1. And Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. So Jonah chapter 1 and 3. Both verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. The son of Amittai saying. And look at Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. What does it say? And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. The second time. Hmm. <laughs> I rest my case your honor. So, Simon, Jonah, Jesus will keep calling your name. The first time, he made a mess of it. The second time, he was a prisoner. He was traumatized by the voice of God. So the word of God came the second time to Jonah. Some of us, Maybe on the fifth time. <laughs> Some of us may be on the tenth time. God have mercy. But Jesus will always win. He will always win. I don't want to be traumatized by Jesus. Imagine Jonah talking and saying. You tell Jonah. Isn't it wonderful to serve the Lord? Tell us about your wonderful experiences. Being a prophet for God. Traveling the world. How was it? Did you travel by air? Did you travel by sea? Jonah will say, I traveled under the sea. I didn't travel like <laughs> I didn't travel like normal people. What? This is the first preacher who traveled in a submarine, a live submarine. The gospel will make you travel by hook or by crook, willingly or unwillingly. <laughs> it's the first preacher who who traveled by submarine. Have you ever heard a preacher travels by submarine? I mean, preachers have traveled in every way. I've, I've traveled in a bullock cart in India, many kilometers with Bishop Solomon, until my back was aching. A bullock cart to go and preach in a village. I've traveled by air, by train, in every way. Motorcycle in India, very dangerous. Local trains in India, extremely dangerous. I have many adventures to tell you about traveling for the gospel. But I've never traveled under the sea for the gospel. You asked Jonah, that must have been exciting. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word call for Simon. Call for Jonah. These Jonahs seem to be reluctant. 
If we don't like to travel in a normal way, you know, when Jesus tells you to travel, I've learned, relax, enjoy your journey. Uh, in 25 years of traveling for the gospel, I only lost one flight, one flight. Sometimes you travel every two, three months. Only one flight. From Hungary back to Norway. Budapest back to Norway. Because I misjudged uh, the time. Jesus always took care of me. Even in the worst conditions, three days and three nights in a train in India. From Mumbai down to the south. Now nothing went wrong. Everything was wonderful. When you travel for the gospel, because you're obeying, call for Simon. Everything will be, will be perfect. It may not be comfortable, but you know you are in the good, acceptable and perfect will of Jesus. But here was a man who misunderstood the meaning of call for Simon. He didn't understand that to be a prophet is not about to whom you will decide to give the word of God. We are not free to give the word of God to anybody or who we want to give. Jesus will tell us where to go and to whom we should give the word of God. And Jonah is a tragic case. Simon Peter shares his surname with this man who didn't understand, like Simon, the full, the meaning of call for Simon. You see, why should one call for Simon, for this Jonah? Because in this man called Jonah, God put words that could save 120,000 people from destruction. How about that? Isn't that another nice way of looking at it? Why call for Simon? Why call for all of you in this room here? Why? Because you have words in you that can deliver somebody from going to hell. Do you see how serious it is? That we understand what I'm saying today? When I pack my bags to travel, it's not always because I want to travel. Because I understand that if I don't travel, somebody is being denied access to heaven. And I don't want to carry that responsibility. I don't want to carry that responsibility. We need to take this very seriously, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, I've said for a long time, if people who have the full truth do not take it to the whole world, do not look upon people as equal with them, then Jesus is able to destroy your country. Because Jesus is not interested in keeping my country or your country in unity and nice heat. That's not the business of Jesus. Jesus' business is to save the world. And somebody called me recently saying, things are so terrible in my country, it may explode. Please pray. I want to come out. Because I've been warning a long time. If you don't take the gospel to the whole world and stop being nationalistic and praising your flag, God will cause havoc in your country because he did it in Jerusalem. 
And your country, no country is bigger than Jerusalem or Israel. Jesus is not interested. In the nice fellowship in the book of Acts, they went from house to house, eat breaking bread. It's good. But these people don't love Cornelius. They don't love uh, foreigners. Well, what is the purpose of that unity? Huh? Jesus said, from Jerusalem, beginning, somebody say beginning, in Jerusalem. If you got the truth in your city, let me tell you, then say with me, beginning in my city, and then you mention a city nearby, and then say to the ends of the earth. This is the gospel. People are not understanding. If you got the gospel in Dallas, Texas, or Houston, Texas, say from here, it will go to mention another city, and then mention another state, and then mention the ends of the earth. If you are in London, say beginning in London, and then Birmingham, and then Glasgow, and all of Europe, and the ends of the earth. This is the meaning of beginning in Jerusalem. Huh? And then Samaria, the place, the city they didn't like in Jerusalem. They wanted fire to come and destroy it. But Jesus brought fire in Acts chapter 8 through Philip to save them in Samaria. We have to know our responsibility. Otherwise, we'll be wondering, Lord, why is there no peace in my country? Tomorrow it's this tribe, then it's that tribe, and then this tribe. Because you're not understanding the gospel. You don't understand what God put into you. Jesus almost killed Jonah. He can kill me. What did Paul say? Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Please say that with me. Repeat it. Woe. Woe. Do you know the meaning of the word woe? Woe is an extreme word. Woe is disaster upon me. Disaster upon me if I preach not the gospel. This is not the time, brothers and sisters, to, you know, doubt such a message. This is God repeating something. He's trying to challenge us. He's coming back soon. Jesus' white horse is ready. The white horse is impatient to come back. Hallelujah. The angel with the trumpet is impatient to sound his trumpet. The church must do its job. The church must wake up. Call for Simon. Call for Simon. When these words of salvation are deposited in us, we cannot travel where, wherever we want. We cannot sleep comfortably where we choose. In short, we cannot do anything without responding to the call Call for Simon first. We must always be watching and praying so that we can respond to this call. That is why we need to pray. For what? So you can go. Amen. We need to think of ourselves as first responders. First, say, I'm a first responder. You know what's a first responder? Firefighter, police officer paramedic or part of a search and rescue team you are on your toes and you're ready to respond immediately when a distress distress call 
comes in. Once the alarm sounds, it's a matter of life and death. Amen. You know, let me share with you a picture. I need to be given permission to do that. Uh, yes, I think it works. Let me show with you. We, we all know what first responders are, yeah? But in order for us to just understand, just to, I'm trying to minimize my, my to get a look at my, okay, there hopefully. But let me share a picture that I downloaded here of firefighters. We all know firefighters. We know the job they do. We all think of um, 9-11 for us who watch the events. And we know many, there were many heroes born that day. There were always heroes. But have a look at this picture. Firefighters in their stations, they have a pole. As soon as the alarm goes, they just jump on that pole, slide down, straight into their uh, trucks, and they're off. They practice response time. First responders. They should be the first to come there when something happens. I picture myself in this way. We should make God give us the mind and the spirit of a, fire, of a first responder. Say with me, I'm a first responder for the gospel. When you hear somebody needs to be baptized, jump on the pole. Go. Hallelujah. God will. You have, have you seen all these cars? Once they hear the, the sirens wailing, what happens? They, they just they move to the side. They just do it so you know seamlessly. Not always, but Jesus will make a way for you to come there, to do the work of God unhindered. He will do his job. You need to respond because it's a matter of life and death. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the traffic jam. Don't worry about the weather conditions and other difficulties that may affect your response time. God is able. You remember Philip? Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse 39 says, When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Somebody say, caught away, Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. In verse 40, it says, but Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. <laughs> wow, look at this guy. You know, I sometimes want to speculate that the reason God used people like Philip is because unlike some of the apostles, God forbid, the man was a first responder to the gospel. He was a first responder. He was Johnny on the spot. He was ready to go. He didn't need much prodding. God loves such people. He's ready to go to Samaria. Ready to go to Gaza. Then he's in 
Philippi Caesarea. Jesus had a problem to take Simon Peter from Joppa to Caesarea. Where he has Philip, <laughs> he's moving all over the place. Samaria, Adotus, Gaza, Caesarea. May God take us, make us move around like Philip. May you be a Philip for the gospel. A man who's everywhere, he seems almost at the same time, praise God. May we be a Philip for the gospel. We know that God did the same for Elijah. The word of salvation must be given priority. You remember just Elijah? I mean, it would be useless for intelligence services to follow today with a guy like Elijah. No, nobody knew where the guy was. Three and a half years looking for him. Nobody can find him. May God make us Elijahs for the gospel. So that Ahab cannot find you. When Jesus wants, he will bring you before the, somebody. Thus saith the Lord, hallelujah. Catching away for the gospel. Jesus is able. The word of salvation must be given priority. It will reach those who are in danger, injured or dying. Call for Simon is a dis distress signal for the Christian to respond immediately. God has his own sirens and ways of facilitating your journey to Cornelius or to Nineveh. Just as drivers play a crucial role in facilitating the timely and efficient response of first responders by yielding the right of way and making way for emergency vehicles when necessary. Isn't it interesting that both Jonah and Peter were in Joppa? I said earlier I would come to Joppa. Both of them were in Joppa. Both of them basically disobeyed God in Joppa. They were reluctant to share the word of God to foreigners. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Joppa. Today Joppa is called Jaffa. There's a city in Israel called Jaffa. And next time I go to Israel, God willing, I'm going to visit Jaffa. Because I want the Lord to remind me never to allow that spirit of Jaffa, Joppa, to come into me for the gospel. The spirit of Joppa seems to be one which either wants to run away from the Lord or says, I'm going to pray. And when God speaks to me about Italians, I'm going to say no. Or whoever. Instead of Italian, put whatever you want. The people you don't like. As the alarm blares throughout the fire station, echoing off the walls, it's a signal for action, brothers and sisters. We are firefighters. Moments ago, you may have been resting. You may be engaged in routine tasks. But once the alarm goes, you spring into action with practiced efficiency. Amen.
God wants us after some time to be veterans, to be seasoned first responders. Just pack your bags. Just slide down the pole. Just go. Hallelujah. The urgency in the air is palpable. As these people swiftly don their protective gear and helmets, they ready themselves for this task, which is about life and death. Maybe it's a little child about to suffocate in the, the fumes of some fire in a building. Maybe it's an elderly man or woman who is considering jumping out of the window and dying. Once the call comes for Simon, you need to go. Hallelujah. Like the firefighters who are always prepared to face risk, even death. This is a testament to their dedication, their unwavering commitment to serving and protecting their community in times of need. Let us look upon ourselves as firefighters, first responders. In today's shift, we don't know what's going to happen. Let me read in conclusion the, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. I don't know what distress call we're going to be hearing soon. Jesus has a way of preparing us with a message before he does something. I told the church yesterday, we don't know 2024, what, where we're going to go. Who needs to hear the word of God? I mentioned that two, three years ago, we were in Turkey. Or maybe before that, before the COVID. And in a Muslim country, Turkey, I remember I was a bit apprehensive in the beginning, but I decided to go to the hotel owner and take a risk. Risk. I said, uh, excuse me, we... We had about 15, 20 people somewhere there. And um, we want to rent a hall for a meeting. She said, what kind of meeting? I said, a Christian meeting. The gospel, Jesus. The woman looked at me, no problem. No problem. Uh, how big do you want the hall to be? And, uh, you know, there's always that little voice in the back saying, uh, you better be careful because you're in a Muslim country. They may say yes, and then they may ambush you suddenly. But I look, we, we do the work of God. To serve Jesus is always a risk. And uh, suddenly the next day she said, I'm sorry, but uh, we don't have that place for you anymore. But we'll do, do one thing. Go to the next hotel beside this one and ask the owner there. Okay, I went there. I began to talk to the people who worked there. And later the owner came. The owner told me, come into my office. And when I entered his office and I was sitting down, I was looking on the wall. Uh, it's very clear that this is a very pious Muslim. He has pictures of Mecca, Medina. He's got his uh, rosary. I mean, in Islam, they call it the tisbah. Hanging on the wall, he himself has one in his hand. He's a clearly a very serious Muslim and he wants to talk to me about the purpose of renting the hall. 
So, you know, I became a little bit uncomfortable. But call for Simon. Call for Simon. So he told me, you're a Christian. I said, no problem. I'll, I'll rent the place. But what do you believe? And I told him, I believe Jesus is God. I could see in his face that it's like somebody just slapped him. Uh, so I don't mean to be disrespectful. It was a shock. His face dropped. His jaw dropped. What did you say? Uh, I believe Jesus is the only God. There is no other God. <laughs> Imagine here is a man from Afghanistan originally. He owns this business, a rich man. He's always thanking Allah every two, three sentences. And then he hears such a shocking statement. And we ended up speaking for some hours. I tell him, let me, tell, let's, let me give you a deal. You tell me what you believe. I'll tell you what I believe. And I'll tell you what, in a Muslim country, Turkey, I ended up having one of the best discussions about Jesus with a very devout, serious, gentle Muslim. He heard everything I had to say. He didn't tell me much about his belief because he was so shocked at what I was saying, genuinely shocked, that he really wanted to object and say, but, but how can you believe that? And I, that gave me more opportunity to explain. You see, Jesus may take you to, I don't know where, Turkey, to witness the country of Erdogan, whose wife is covered with a hijab. He may take you to Israel, like he did me in three hours. They were interrogating. One hour was my testimony. What do you believe? That Jesus is God. Be available for Jesus. Amen. Make your plans. Say you, I didn't go to Turkey to witness to the owner of a hotel, a devout Muslim multimillionaire. But Jesus took me for that purpose. I went there to see Laodicea and Philadelphia, and Sardis. Jesus said, uh, go and see those dead places. Uh, but I'm taking you there for living people. But along the way, you see the ruins of these places. Uh, but Jesus have, has no use for me to go to these ruins. He's not against it, but he had another plan. He said, you go and watch those dead stones, but I will also make sure I will make open a, I'm going to roll out a red carpet for a Muslim man to hear salvation in Jesus. So do you understand? I'm just giving you a little example of how Jesus works. You don't know when, you don't know where. Hallelujah. Maybe today that man secretly believes Jesus is God. I don't know. We need to be ready. You don't know when, you don't know where. You are the sower with Jesus. We need to sow everywhere we go. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Say, your feet shod. 
Do you have the right shoes for the gospel? Hallelujah. Whatever you may be wearing, high heels or sneakers, make sure you are wearing the brand of your shoes should be called the gospel. Amen. Amen. Not Nike Air, but gospel air. Hallelujah. Not Air Jordan, but Air Gospel. Hallelujah. May God help us in conclusion to be Simons. Ready to hear the word of God. Ready to go. Because Jesus is mentioning your name. The angel is mentioning your name. Everybody is mentioning your name. Even in the ship, the pagans came to Jonah. You see, they came to Jonah in the end. He didn't speak to anybody. He didn't say anything about himself. But in the end, they came to him. Let me tell you, in the end, the world will come to us. They will blame us. Why were you sleeping? Why were you hiding in your house? Why didn't you tell us at the job? How many times we ate lunch together? How, I never knew you were a Christian. I used to meet you in the shopping center. You told me everything about yourself, but you never told me you're a Christian. What? You had the words of life and you never thought it's important enough to share it with me. God have mercy. That will be the, the worst. Remember the man in hell? What he was saying? Please, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. He wants Lazarus to go one more time, one more time. To go back. I've preached before. I've said there are many people praying, praying in hell today. Do you know what is the number one prayer in hell today? People who never prayed on this earth are praying in hell. You know what they're praying? I beg you. Send somebody. Send somebody to go to my family. To go to my friends. To go to my relatives. They don't know about this place. I pray that you and I will answer some of the prayers of the people in hell. I pray. Next time you're witnessing to somebody, remember, you are answering the prayer of somebody in hell. Amen. Next time you witness to somebody, remember, you are answering the prayer of somebody in hell. Somebody is crying to Jesus, please. I know I can't escape this place, but please send somebody. Send Brother Gapi, Brother Simon, Salam, Sister Monica, Sister Ruth, Johannes, Gere, Joanna, Sarah, Angela. I could go down the list. Asmerit. Please send somebody. I pray this year in 2024. I told the church in Norway, everybody can do one thing in 2024. Bring one person to church. Bring one person. Is that too, uh, asking too much? One person. From your job. From your... I, I brought somebody from my job. I brought an academic. I witnessed to him. I said, please come to church. Would you mind coming to church? Do you believe in God? She said, yes. A Catholic. She came, a university lecture, because I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of my Lord. 
So this year, answer this message, call for sign, by bringing one person to your church, one person to the Church of London, bring one person to Brother Ephraim, one person to Brother Lash, bring one person to Brother Paul in the church. You're bringing not to us, to Jesus. One person. Let, let us evangelize. Let us evangelize. Let me conclude with this thought. Yesterday I shared, we have prayer meetings on Friday. I shared with the church, I said, Hezekiah was a righteous man. He did enough to go to heaven. His time was finished. But you know what? Sometimes Christians themselves get shocked when Jesus says, your time is finished. He was 36 years old. He was shocked. No, he cried. Brother, sister, Jesus may not allow you to become old. Jesus may not allow you to see the end of 2024. Make sure you witness for Jesus. Bring souls to Jesus. That's the greatest purpose or, or justification for your, your, your existence today. I always remind myself, do you know why you're alive? Do you know why Jesus didn't take you? Do you know why the doctor didn't tell you you have cancer, which is terminal? Because Jesus still finds me useful. That's it. That's really nothing to do with, you can exercise, it's good for you. I exercise. You can uh, eat healthy. Please do. But at the end of the day, when Jesus gave 15 more years to Hezekiah, was it because he was exercising more? Was it because he was eating healthy more? No, he was sick. He was going to die. That sickness came from God. Say health and life is in the hands of Jesus. Let's finish with that. Amen. Otherwise, we are going to be sinning eh? like the world. They will tell you, you know, you run a lot and, the, and then you live three more years. Three more years for all of that hard work? My goodness. Hezekiah was given 15 more years without exercising, without eating his, his greens and salads and, and fish. Hallelujah. And now they're saying even fish is not healthy. It's got mercury in it. God have mercy on the salmon industry of Norway. The number one salmon exporter of the world is Norway. We'll be in trouble. Whatever it is. My point is this, brothers and sisters. Let's tell ourselves we are alive for Jesus. We're not afraid if the doctor tells us your time is. We turn to Jesus and say, if you say it, if you think now is a good time to go, I'm ready, Jesus. Live every year as if it's your last year. What is the best way to prepare for heaven? It says in the book of Daniel, those who are wise, wise, will turn many to righteousness. Amen. They will shine like the stars in the sky. Do you know what's the best way to prepare for heaven? Bring people to the knowledge of Jesus. Bring them to the knowledge of salvation. Hallelujah. And the angels will mention your name. They will love you. I know why God loved Philip and gave him a lot of uh, uh, you know, uh, tasks, assignments. Because the man 
was ready for action. He was Action Jackson. We just heard in the news, what's his name? Carl Weathers, Pastor. Uh, you know, for us, who, before we came to the Lord, Rocky, Rocky yeah? Uh, Action Jackson was what, how I remember him. When I saw his face in the news, I said, oh my goodness, Action Jackson is gone. Let me tell you, I want to be Action Jackson for Jesus, for the gospel. Ready for action. We train so that tomorrow... I can move. I don't want to be limping for the gospel. If I eat well, it's because I don't want to have stomach problems in the plane or migraine problems. All we do is for the gospel in Jesus. Make sure. You know why? Is the, do you know firefighters have to prove they are fit? Amen. They have to train. They have to be in top shape, tip-top shape. To save lives. We have to be in tip-top shape. For the gospel. Say call for signs. In Jesus. If this is what you are doing. Jesus will heal you immediately. When we pray for you. Jesus will take care of all your problems. But the problem is. Why, why would Jesus. Deliver Jonah from the. the you know. The, way, the, the belly of the, uh, of the fish. For what? His life is of no use to God. So God just kept him down under, you know. So if you understand this principle, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about anything else. Jesus bless you. Let's conclude there. Let's say once more in unison, call for sign. Let's repeat, call for sign. Angels are saying this today. Jesus is saying this today. Simon must prepare himself. Simon must go. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. Lord God, you are the sender. We are the sent. I pray that you give us the spirit of Philip. A man who is always prepared to go. A firefighter. In tip-top shape. Help us to understand this message. For we do not have an infinite amount of time upon this earth. Jesus, help us to be wise. Help us to redeem the time. Help us, my God, to understand what is most important, what is most uppermost in your, in your mind, in your heart. The cries of people in hell today that you hear always. Help us to hear those cries sometimes. Help us to be burdened. Help us to stay close to you so we can go in Jesus' name without hesitation to be soldiers for you, to tolerate whatever we have to tolerate. Send us, Jesus. Give us the spirit of Isaiah who said, send me, here I am. Send me, Lord. Give us the spirit of the apostle Paul who said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. I owe something to everyone. I owe the gospel. I owe to share Jesus to everyone. Because Jesus has given me salvation. My God, give us the spirit of evangelists. Give us the spirit in these last days of the apostles. 
who ultimately understood the importance of the gospel. Even Peter returned and said, who was I to withstand God? Who was I to withstand? When God is saying, call for Simon, who am I to withstand? In Jesus' name. Bless your people, my God. Let this year be the year we go fishing. The year we go deep sea fishing. Hallelujah. My God, make us fishers of men. Make us fishers of men. In the name of Jesus, give us the mind of a firefighter, of a first responder. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Send your people, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. God bless each and every one of you abundantly.